Welcome to Destination Transformation Podcast, where we desire to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, by the bringing of our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ, one thought at a time. Now here's your host, my wife, Carrie Hunter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 10 of the Destination Transformation Podcast. I'm so happy you decided to join us here today. And if this is your first time listening, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I hope this episode will help you to be encouraged and strengthened in your walk with Jesus Christ. A shout out to all my faithful listeners, and thank you for your warm and encouraging comments, ladies. You are such a blessing and encouragement to me. Will you please help me get the word out by telling others, your friends, your family about this podcast? I truly would appreciate it. I have a treat for you today. My beloved husband and contributor, John, is with us today. And I know he will be a blessing, not only to me, but also to you all. John, welcome back to Destination Transformation Podcast. Hello. It's nice to be back, especially with you, my love. (laughs) Thanks, honey. Before we begin today's episode, please allow me to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to join us. Dear Heavenly Holy Father, I thank you for your love, mercy, and grace, for without it, I would be lost and without hope in this world. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die in my place on Calvary's cross, that I may be redeemed and have an eternal home in heaven. Thank you for daily loading us with benefits and giving us your Holy Spirit to comfort us, guide us, and teach us all things. We know that without you, Lord, we can do nothing. So I pray for your holy presence to be with us now. Please empty me out, Lord, and just fill me as your vessel. Thank you for purging me from my old sins and revealing the deepest secrets of my own heart and letting me know when I need to go to you for cleansing. I pray you would speak to each one listening today, and you would give each one exactly what they need, that they may go away rejoicing in your goodness. For it's in Jesus' precious name and for his sake, I pray. Amen. Today we're going to begin a new series on the sins that so easily beset us. This doesn't sound too uplifting, I know, but it is nonetheless needful for our spiritual growth, and if you will stay with me through the whole series, I believe it will uplift you, and you will be strengthened and equipped to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. I think too many times we Christian ladies want the fluff of the word, but in order to grow into mature Christians, we have to feast on the meat of the word as well. In order to do this, we have to be completely honest with ourselves, as to where we are spiritually speaking. That is what this next series is about. Hopefully we're going to help all of us, myself included, to take an honest look at our thoughts and hearts and see if there's anything there that is displeasing to the Lord and hindering us from moving forward for Him and dampering our witness. We'll begin with a very common sin to all of us, the sin of self-righteousness. What is self-righteousness? 
Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary didn't define self-righteousness. However, it did define righteousness. And righteousness is purity of heart and rectitude of life, conformity of heart and life to the divine law. Righteousness, as used in scripture and theology in which it chiefly is used, is nearly equivalent to holiness, comprehending holy principles and affections of heart and conformity of life to the divine law. John, what are your thoughts on what self-righteousness is? Wow. Well, to be honest with you, I, I know it's sin, but I wouldn't say that's my first or primary thought. I, I'd probably say I kind of glaze over it and minimize it and when you think of a character trait or just a personality flaw, um, but it definitely is a sin. I mean, if I go to the Bible, let me see here, Isaiah 64, 6, let me read it open it up here and just read it to you. Sure. Isaiah 64, 6, but we are all as unclean things and all our righteousness as a filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. So I definitely know it's a sin, but uh, I'm just being honest with you. I think I minimize it way too much. Hmm. You're absolutely right. Self-righteousness is a sin. And it's so easy to hide this one, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, it's definitely, it is, be, I mean, you can get trained to probably start spotting it, but it's easy to hide because this is a, this is something that's going on in our thought life. Mm, uh, it, it surely, surely is. And scripture tells us we are made righteous only by the blood of Christ. And this is something we do not earn in and of ourselves. Uh, it's the gift of God, lest any man should boast, right? Yes, ma'am. Where does self-righteousness come from? Well, I I probably just want to jump right into it. Jesus Christ talks a fair amount about it, but one reference is he's talking to the Pharisees in Luke, and he tells a, well, excuse me, he's telling a, a parable about the Pharisees in Luke. It's eight, uh, chapter 18. Do you mind if I just read it? It's only it's Oh, no, please do. Luke 18, verse 9. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess, and the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. There's actually a fair amount in there about self-righteousness and where it comes from, and I'll let you go with it. Wow. I do think it's worth noting that the Pharisee prayed within himself. That just really stuck out to me because it's also noteworthy that he didn't pray that prayer out loud because that would make him look bad. <laughs> yeah, it was truly what he believed in his own heart about himself. Whew, it sounds like self-righteousness is found many times among religious people. And an interesting point is to be made here is that one can have religion and not have Christ, as we saw in the example of the Pharisee. Speak to us a little about that, John. Well, it's true. Actually, if you if you look at the 
look through the New Testament, through a lot of the Bible, you'll see there's very few positive things mentioned about religion. In fact, when Jesus Christ is talking to the religious crowd, it's similar to what you see here in Luke 18, where it's a rebuke to a lot of them. Uh, like They have a big self-righteousness issue in, in religion. They're doing formal things to try and get to God, but yet they don't have a relationship with Him. Seeing we're talking about Pharisees and Jesus Christ, it reminds me of a, another reference. I'm just going to read it a quick verse for you from Matthew. It's Matthew 9, 11, and through 13. This is, the Pharisees were always trying to trip Jesus up and cause him problems. And this is one engagement he had with him. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Hmm. So that's Jesus Christ talking to religious people right there. Mm-hmm. It is clear in Scripture that one must have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, not just mere religion in order to be justified by God. And you'll see back in the, the initial text of Luke 18 that that Pharisee that wasn't justified in his actions he was doing quite religious activities. Uh, in verse 12, he said, I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all I possess. And it didn't It didn't justify him. Mm-mm, it didn't because Jesus said, you know, God sent him, Jesus Christ, to die for sinners. He didn't call the righteous to repentance. The reason is because a truly righteous person needs not to repent, right? Um, however, none of us, not even the very best among us, falls into this category. Um, we are made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ because he is righteous. Self-righteousness keeps a lost person from ever coming to Christ and keeps them from all hope of salvation. That is why we must root it out, my friends. As soon as the Holy Spirit reveals any self-righteous thoughts going on in our mind. Yes, ma'am. So I know before I was saved, I would compare myself to others and think in my heart, I'm a pretty good person. I never killed anyone. I never stole another girl's boyfriend. I would never hurt anyone without a cause. It was only after I was saved, after I received Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, when the Holy Spirit took up residence inside of me, that the blindness fell off my eyes, so to speak, and I could clearly see just how sinful and self-righteous I was. Sadly to say, I still struggle with this form uh, of self-righteousness from time to time, even after being saved for over 22 years. So my guess is that all of you struggle with it too. Aren't you all so thankful, just as I am, for 1 John 1, 9, which says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John, will you give us a couple of examples of some self-righteous thoughts you've had in the past? Well, uh, I'll start out with a a verse to try and explain the position. Uh, Proverbs 28, verse 21, To have respect of persons is not good. For a piece of bread, that man will transgress. If I'm just looking at persons or look at myself, I shouldn't have respect to myself, thinking I'm better or than others or anything. And that's kind of obvious. But the point being, like when I look at 
and I see see someone sinning in something that I would consider egregious or terrible, and I'm like, how could they ever do that? And not un, and not accepting how much of a sinner I am, and that mm. it's just by the grace of God, I'm not doing that or something worse at this moment. And given the right series of conditions, I would be in a worse place. Mm. Uh, that's one point. Uh, I mean, there's so many. How about just focusing on other people's sins that I can see outwardly instead of dealing with mine that I have, like my self-righteousness or any of those components? You know, uh, I know we often think about the verse of dealing with a splinter in someone's eye and, and not and yet having a beam in our own. And I would certainly say that self-righteousness is a beam. Yes, yes. Absolutely. And I mean, there's there's plenty more. <laughs> <laughs> there are. There are. So my point in giving examples and asking John to give a couple of examples is not to glorify sin in any way, but to help you all realize you, you are not alone. We all struggle with thoughts of self-righteousness from time to time because self-righteousness is the fruit of the natural man's own thoughts. The natural man is still around, unfortunately, even for those of us who've come to Christ. And that natural man still devises imaginations in our hearts and tells us that we're good or deserving or gifted or talented or better than that other person over there. And just like the Pharisee in Luke 18, we imagine we are somehow superior to others or more spiritual or more deserving of God's favor. This, my friends, is abominable to God. Why is self-righteousness abominable to God, John? Right off the top, you're making, you're making the cross of Christ of none effect. Exactly. You're trying to put yourself on a level playing field with... There's only one, there's only one with righteousness. And so you're putting, trying to put yourself on his playing field there. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty bad. Yet we go around playing with this all the time. Right, because it's a hidden sin. You know, it's one of those sins that's not outward. You know, we can look at a drunkard, a prostitute, a gambler, someone with these outward vices, and we can imagine that we're better than these people. But like you mentioned earlier, but for the grace of God, and like the Apostle Paul said, but were some of you, but you are purged, you are cleansed, you are washed. So it's always... Christ righteousness. We have none of our own. Yeah, you're right. It is concealed. It's within our thoughts. But I just like to remind everyone we do need to deal with it because there is going to be a time when all things are revealed. Mm-hmm. It's true. So you may realize you've been thinking some self-righteous thoughts and maybe you're wondering, how do I stop? Please allow me to share with you a few things I found helpful to combat self-righteous thoughts when it springs up within me. The first thing I do is I confess it immediately, and I ask God for help to overcome it. Then I thank him for saving my wretched soul and admit that I am capable of every sin imaginable to mankind if it were not for his saving power and grace. I express my genuine desire to be humble and not prideful, and I ask him to help me to be humble. And finally, I renew my mind by setting or focusing my affections on things above. That's what Colossians tells us to do. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. Remember, dear friends, we are not perfect, but we do serve a perfect God. We are not righteous, but we have the righteousness of Christ if we are truly saved. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us and gave himself for us. Should we not give ourselves for him who is worthy of all 
honor and glory and praise. John, any final thoughts or words of encouragement as we close up this episode on self-righteousness? Well, I'd just like to encourage you that we can't do it on our own, but Christ has done it for us. Amen. Galatians 2.16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Amen. Thank you, John. That's so true. And I thank you, John, for joining us and contributing to this conversation. I absolutely love having you with us. Well, it's nice to be with you all, too. (laughs) And if any of you would like to know how you can trust Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, or if you'd like to receive more encouragement or leave a comment, or meet with me via Zoom or on a telephone call, please go to ChristianLifeCoachTools.com and click on the contact link at the top right-hand corner of the page. That's ChristianLifeCoachTools.com. You may also leave a voice message on Anchor or Spotify if you have any comments or questions. We'd love to hear from you. Until next week, may we walk in victory as we cease from sins that so easily beset us. God bless you, my friends. Thank you for listening to Destination Transformation Podcast. We hope it has been an encouragement and a blessing to you. And if so, please listen next week to episode number 11, part 2, in our series called Ceasing from Sins That So Easily Beset Us. 